What is up guys? Welcome back to Peace and Tribulation. I hope everyone is doing well. I'm assuming it's the start to most people's second semester of school or, um, you know, going back to work or whatever else is going on in your life. And I'm hoping that is um, fruitful for you. I hope that it's life-giving to you. I'm hoping that this year is a start, um, a fresh start for you. And something that I think is being so so very much highlighted in my life is the need of the love of Jesus and um, the need to like really experience his love, which I think is a, is a process of letting go of my assumptions and experiences of what I believe love to be. And then allowing and, and being real with the Lord with where I'm at and allowing him to come in the way he wants to, um, which I think is a lot deeper and, more alive than we think it is. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really just wanted to come on here and just kind of chat about what I'm, I'm processing through. I think the title of this is going to be, it starts with love and therapy because something I've been learning so much through scripture, through my quiet time with the Lord, through my devotional, through the different books I'm reading by different Christian authors, the emphasis has been living out of a place of love, out of being beloved, right? We love because he first loved us. And I'm going to be honest, I think the love of Jesus, that fire in my heart um, hasn't been like burning as bright as I want it to because I have a hard time giving myself love even though he loves me very much. And I think that's a probably a a lot of us have, or we just say we love each other so much, or we say that Jesus loves us so much that it doesn't seem to have an impact. It's like we just hear it, right? Like we're not spending time to process it. We're also in a really busy world. Um, but when I actually think of the love of God, that he is love himself, he tells us that he is love in First John 4, that there's no fear in love, a perfect love cast out all fear, right? Because fear has to do with punishment. That he, being love, sent his one and only son to be the propitiation for our sins. That we can be then reconciled to him. Then knowing what love is, to then live out of that. To be redeemed, restored, fully known, fully loved. I don't want to just say those words. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just say those words. I don't want to just um, write about it. That was one of my prayers this morning. Like, Lord, I don't want to just write and speak about and paint about your your love. I want to live out of it. I can imagine it. I have my my assumptions of what your love is, of, of how it will look when I experience moments of just being so in awe of your love. But Lord, I actually really just need your love. Um, because you are love, right? Like first Corinthians 13, when it's saying all the characteristics of love, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Why is that? Because God is love. Because God is love. He is my portion. And the portion, Jesus being our portion, is a gift, a never-ending gift that allows us to live out of love. And we, I feel like we're missing the point. And I've also been watching The Chosen, which I think is so fruitful because we often think 
of the life of Jesus as being so far away and so different than the way we live. And then I look at I look at the, the chosen and I look at the life of the disciples and I look at the life of those around him and the doubt and the disbelief and the shame people carried and the religious culture of things need to be so particular or now you're unclean so you have to be um, just a lot of following rules, right? Like you're unclean, now I have to, and you touch me, I have to like go wash and be out of sight until sunrise. Just all these, or sundown, I forget what it was, but all these rules and regulations and stress and and shame and guilt carried that we felt as though we could give someone or give ourselves worth. But God actually made us in worthiness and he made us fully knowing us and fully loving us and fully having a purpose for us. And I just think, cause I, I felt weird about watching the chosen at first. Cause it just, I don't know. Sometimes when people make shows about the life of Jesus and stuff, it can just be very controversial. The fact like someone's playing Jesus where we're, you know, rep, we're, we're trying to represent the life of Jesus when we didn't live it type thing. But I really think, um, the authors of the chosen and, it's just, it's very much encouraged even on the chosen to read the Bible for yourself and to have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? The desire of this show is a hundred percent, I think, to draw people to the Lord. And when I, I read scripture and I, I look at the chosen, I very much see the simple life that Jesus lived that held a lot of weight, but he was living out of love. And he was always giving his disciples love and he was always giving people love. And he was so intentional to love every single person who needed it and in the perfect way um I just watched the episode yesterday where he it's the second part it's like I think it's called clean part part two where he heals the woman who was bleeding for 12 years so in that call in the culture they were living in during that day it was believed that if a woman was bleeding right if she was on her period or whatever else that she was unclean and so this woman had been basically like non-stop bleeding for 12 years and we know this story in scripture maybe you do maybe you don't um but in in the chosen right it kind of gives these details that i never thought of before because she was unclean she was disowned by her father she couldn't like she didn't have community she was walking around like really really just surviving like literally surviving and um she yeah, she comes to the town that Jesus was in. I believe he was in, I don't think he was in Jerusalem. I forget where he was. I'm sorry. But she comes to the town that Jesus was in. She had she had heard his um, Sermon on the Mount. And she she has this faith that if I just touch the garment of his robe, I will be healed. And mind you, on the way, he he's on the way to go heal to heal this religious leader, Jairus, um, his, his daughter, who's about to die. Um, who also like Jairus has a lot of faith. He's never seen a miracle of Jesus. He's just heard of them. He then sees Jesus and just knows like, I know you can heal my daughter. If you just lay your hands on her, like she will, she'll be healed. So he's already on his way to, to bless and heal, um, a man or a I'm sorry, his daughter, a man's daughter, um, because of his faith in him, right? Because he knows him so well. And then the faith of this woman who was bleeding for 12 years is just 12 years is so powerful to me. Um, and I included that detail of of her being disowned by her father because of this. Because in the Bible, when Jesus heals this woman, 
she gets healed immediately after she touches his garment and jesus is in a crowd of people because they all want to go watch jesus heal jairus's daughter right they want to go see him perform a miracle so he's being like he's being like people are pushing into him and stuff like he's being touched and but then she touches the garment of his robe and her faith is so beautiful to me and so powerful and i really i don't i haven't fully comprehended it yet but she touches his robe and then he's like who touched me and the disciples are like bro Jesus, everybody's like been bumping into you. What do you mean who touched you? And he was like, no, but I felt power go out of me. And that is one that's powerful in itself because her faith changed the fact that it wasn't like, it wasn't the garment. Like he's in the chosen. It says that he, like he says this, and maybe that's not included in the Bible. I I believe it to be true as well. Cause he does say your faith healed you in the Bible, but he's like, the garment did not heal you. Your faith did. And, um, and so the faith she had in Jesus, that if I just touch his garment, was so powerful. And then she's healed. And then he's he's asking who touched him, right? She comes forward. And there's this beautiful scene in The Chosen where he is he's just talking to her in front of all these people and people are like jesus like she's unclean like you can't like talk to her and he's like she's not unclean and she he crouches down and he talks to her and um that culture like i said like she was disowned by her parents she didn't have a father and he says daughter and he says she's like no i don't i'm not anyone's daughter anymore and he goes yes you are you're mine and when I've read that Bible or when I've read that scripture in the Bible before, not knowing the culture, then not knowing, um, not recognizing like conversations are not very as fast as we often read them in the Bible, right? Where we'll just read this story as what it is, not really processing it. But for him to call her daughter, that is such an intentional love that he knew she had been disowned by her father. That of course he would use the word daughter. He didn't use the word servant or friend or yes, he said she was faithful, but he didn't say faithful one, right? Or beloved. Although all those things she probably also need to hear, but first she need to hear daughter and seeing her response where he puts her his hands on her face and she just wants to hold them because she probably had not felt that in so long. And it was because of an experience of her life that left her feeling un- unloved and unworthy and disgusting. That was also the culture she lived in, that if, if you had this problem, you must be cursed, right? You must be gross. You must be unclean. And so, of course, hearing the words, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. That was so countercultural to everything she had been hearing for 12 years. She had been disowned by her father. She had not had family, but now she was clean. And then she walked in that cleanliness afterwards. And I just think that love, the love of Jesus is just so intentional for each one of us that he knows exactly how we need to be loved. And I think it starts with child, like childlikeness. Because we are also called to have a childlike faith. And I wonder if it's because at the end of the day, we are all children of God first. And so there's a lot of stuff that hinders us from experiencing the love of God and understanding what it is or being scared of receiving the love of God. 
I have a lot of those things. But it takes love and therapy. <laughs> like, it takes love and therapy. It takes working through this stuff and allowing God in anyways. Understanding that he has such a purpose. That he wants to love me. Because he fully knows me and fully loves me. That I am beloved. That he, I'm lo- I am I love because he first loved me. Right? Like, he loved me so much... That my life no longer has to be about just living outside of sin, fighting it every day, but literally living in the freedom of Jesus' love, of receiving him as my portion, receiving love as my portion, not love in just a mar- like marriage way or friendship way or the way the world sh- shows it or reflects it. It's not just a feeling, but even when I don't understand that I'm loved, I am. And that is so powerful. Even when I don't understand that I am loved, I am. Even when I don't understand the power of being loved, there's still so much power and fruit in being loved by God. That it can take away all the shame of the world and bring light into every dark place to make everything beautiful. To give us confidence in his love for us. That we don't have to try to put our identity in anything else. And I mentioned this in the last episode, but I've been reading this book called Finding God's Life for My Will. Very good. It's by Mike Donahue. Um, He is still in the band, I believe. I said last time I wasn't sure. I believe he's still in the band. Um, but I want to read this this part um, of something he wrote. Because this, this book has been so good. Like I have pretty much every other page folded down because I just want to go back to it. Um, but I want to read this part. He said, John had the most impressive resume of all the disciples. And yet when identifying himself to the world, he didn't choose to mention what he could do or had ever done for God. Instead, he chose to brag about the love God had for him, not the love he had for God. This makes him shockingly different from many of us. We often seek to boost our self-esteem and let everyone know how great we are. We want to help others but make a point of announcing our good deeds online. It's no wonder Jesus told us not to let our our left hands know what our right hands are doing. Bear with me as I go through the next um, paragraph. Also, that's not to like call anybody out. I'm just, just listen to this next part. Growing up, I was told again and again, sin is missing the mark. But if that were the case, the Pharisees never sinned. Could we look deeper? Is there a fuller definition? What if sin is nothing more than an attempt to build an identity on something other than God and his love? Isn't that what, we, what we're after when we try to do things our way? Doesn't all sin begin with a simple lie, maybe God doesn't love me? Whether it's our shame and mistakes or our success and achievements, we are all constantly being tempted in this way. We want to assert ourselves. We want to be remembered. And um, he just, in this chapter, he's just talking about the love of the Lord. And um, the part of this chapter is called the disciple, the disciple Jesus loves. And he's just talking so much about how your identity is not in how much you can how much change you can bring or and what you can produce or accomplish, but how we can let Jesus be enough of an accomplishment for us. We can let our identity be the disciple Jesus loves. And then he challenges us, and I challenge you as well, because I didn't actually, I was reading this in bed last night, and I did not get out of bed and do this. But he says, look yourself in the eyes, and with all humility you can muster, 
Repeat John's simple soul-saving words. I am the disciple Jesus loves. We get so scared of saying that because that sounds very boastful. Rather than trying, like, we're actually being so boastful when we're, or, like, prideful when we think that what we can do allows us to earn love. But when we actually humbly accept that nothing we can do earns love, good or bad, but actually I'm just the one that Jesus loves. That the creator of all things, the savior of the whole entire world, the savior of, of everyone from generations I have no clue about, carries the who carried the weight of my sin and everybody else's sin, people who wouldn't even acknowledge him still, loves me. I'm the disciple he loves. That's, that's humbling. That's humbling. Why is it humbling? Because he is the savior of the world because he is love. And because I, outside of him, am unworthy to be in his presence. Outside of Jesus, I'm unholy, right? Like I, I'm a sinner, but he's wanted me to experience life, not trying to build my own kingdom, not trying to build my own success, not trying to build my own achievements, not trying to redeem myself. He wants to be love. He is love. He has called us the disciple that he loves, not because of anything I've done. If we acknowledge the love of God more, we will understand how limited we are and what we can do, but how much he doesn't care about that. Because when we are living out of his love, everything we do is fruitful. Why? Because it's out of him. It starts with love and therapy. Because we got to undo ourselves. We got to undo this idea of things being so fast paced and we're missing the gift of every day. We're missing the people we're supposed to be reaching right around us every day because we are so scared of the fact that maybe I don't have to be enough by myself, but maybe the Lord offers himself that now I am enough and that he can radiate his love all throughout me, that I will just, he will just be radiated in me, within me and without outside of me and everything in my life. Maybe I really am just human. And maybe he has made me righteous and holy, right? Like maybe he's made me right with the Lord and set apart. But how? Through his love. Through his love. And we hear this message so much and we disregard it. But without him, I would be dead. I would be a dead man walking. And we joke about that and we act like it's just something to say. No, like without Jesus, I can't know love. Just the, the, his name means more than we recognize. He came to save his people from their sins. Why? Because sin separates us from God. It removes us outside of doing what was in the will of the Lord, to live in his love, to love God and love our neighbor. How do we do that? By knowing love himself. 
when we sin, we, we, we are separate from God. We feel disgusting. We feel unworthy. We feel like we cannot be in his presence. We need a propitiation for our sins. We repent. We recognize Jesus is our Lord, that I can no longer try to save myself. It's exhausting and I will never be able to fix it. And even in the midst of my shame, he says, I am loved. In the midst of when I've been called unclean, he never looked at me and thought I wasn't. Because even before that woman who was bleeding for 12 years was healed, he still would have addressed her. He did not care. He came to set the captives free, right? To heal every every sick person, to free the prisoners, right? To, to redeem the prisoners, that we no longer are identified by every action we take. And we're so scared of that because we want to be able to do enough or we want to be able to redeem ourselves because of things we, 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 we've done that we can't take back. But he's like, no, I just want to give you a new life. And when I look at the life of Jesus through, through the Bible and, and through watching Chosen and listening to messages and reading the devotional, he did live such a simple life out of love. He was so focused on those around him. He knew the weight of, of, his, of why he was in the world. The weight of our sin. That only love could conquer. Nothing else could. That's why we couldn't pay the price, right? Like, we're not love. We're made perfect in love, who's Jesus. But we're not love. I couldn't die that death. It would, it would literally, without love, it would be nothing. So I get to instead, and we get to instead as the body, to have faith in his love for us, that he will continue to reveal himself to us and allow us to live in his love. Simply doing everything in love with joy and peace that we are made right with love. We are made right with God. That God is love. And he is just and he is truthful and he's sovereign right? And there's some scriptures where we're like, this seems, he kind of seems scary in this. I, there's things I'm still trying to figure out, but he tells us what love is in first Corinthians 13. And then first John four, he says, he is love. And it says that Jesus is not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. Look at the intention and in the heart of God. And it is to love everybody. It is to love them so that we are all redeemed and forgiven and made right with him, that then we can be in communion with him, understanding what it means that Jesus is our portion, that we don't have to continue to be Martha working in the kitchen, doing whatever, still wanting to feel love when love was right in front of her, when love is right in front of us. It is okay to need God to be love because can I tell you, he's the only source of love that is true that we've got and can i tell you that it's good that he's the only one because he's the only everlasting god we have praise the lord that we don't have to try to figure that out because he already tells us that and he will lead us to him we don't have we can't fix it all right he's already saved he's already came to save the world for you to be the light quit trying to figure it all out quit trying to be love yourself Allow him to love you, to hold your heart, to hold you as a child. Address those things. I'm, I'm going through a process where I'm addressing a bunch of stuff in therapy and a bunch of thoughts that I have and regrets and shame and, 
insecurities and, and fears I hold. And it, I always feel like I almost like convert to like a child version of me. And I always feel scared when I do that. I feel scared of like child me because I feel so weak and vulnerable. But that is where love comes in the purest form. No wonder he tells us to have childlike faith because <laughs> we get to rely on him. He wants to tend to our hearts. He wants to hold our face and say, daughter, your faith has made you well. He is our faith. He shows himself to us. He wants to look us in the eyes. He is our portion. He is a gift. I just want us to live in that. It's okay to not have it all figured out. It's okay to to have a lot of stuff you're working through. I know it's scary. I'm, I've been very like, this is way too much. But I also know that I want to live a life out of love. I want to live a life way past my fears and worries and shame and guilt. I want to live a life in the love of God that, you know, in his peace that surpasses all understanding that, that has restored me back to the Lord, that I can live outside of everything that feels so big, but my God is greater. His love is deeper. Invite yourself to experience that today and every day, even in a small way that he would just, you would recognize the way he's tending to you right now. You are so loved. And yeah, I just need you to know that. And I'm learning that too. And it's very hard and I get that and it's okay. Talk to someone if you need to. And um, yeah, I'm here if you need. Okay. God bless.